Hello, and welcome to My Sister Wisdom, the podcast with your host, Shannon Dasalakis, that's me, and my super special sweet seeds. This podcast is brought to you by the Most High, my own hard work, and lots of free software programs. <laughs> I am working diligently to expand the podcast to bring you the best possible quality audio and video available, and I could sure use your help. If you would like to donate, my host, redcircle.com, makes it easy to leave a donation of your choice. Please visit this podcast's official page by going to redcircle.com forward slash my dash sister dash wisdom and clicking sponsor this podcaster underneath the picture. I seriously love you and appreciate even the smallest token of your support. You can also share this podcast with all your friends and family because I know you'll love it that much. Without further ado, let's get to the real star of the show, our sweet seed of the week. This week, my sister Wisdom's sweet seed is none other than the beautiful and intelligent Fernanda Castaneda. She is an advanced practice registered nurse, the co-creator and host of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration Live on Facebook, and the founder and host of Positive Blueprints Podcast, whose mission is to create a positive health impact worldwide. If she isn't perfect for the times, you're lying to me. Back on November 3rd, Election Day, Fernanda and I had an amazing conversation, jam-packed with the realest secrets to preventing COVID and other diseases. These secrets are not actually a secret, but you won't find them on mainstream media yet. Fernanda totally impacted my view on how to continue to focus and develop my own healthy habits, and I think this is because she has a passion for educating and inspiring others to transform their health with a mind, body, and soul approach to find the key to unlocking a better life physically, emotionally, and mentally. The real secret here is you can find the key simply by going to fernandacastaneda.com and grabbing your surprise. Let's get into it, folks. Health is wealth. Amen? Hi, Fernanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so stoked to hear about your story to health and what it's been like for you. You're an advanced practice registered nurse and you've been working during the COVID pandemic. So I want to hear all about you and what your life has been like, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I have been a nurse for about 10 years. And over the last five years, I've been an advanced practice registered nurse. A lot of people don't know what that means. And that just means that I have a master's degree with uh, specializing in as a family nurse practitioner, which means that I can see anybody in clinic diagnosing and treating just like a, like a doctor would. And I have also continue to work during COVID, but it did change, of course. We transitioned to the telehealth more than in clinic appointments. So that was kind of like a, like a whole experience, a whole new experience for me. I've never really done telehealth before. At the beginning, it was more of a, a change and then it's been more of an adjustment process, uh, but I am thankful to be able to continue to help people. However, when it hit and during COVID, I started seeing more and more patients and people dealing with anxiety and depression and uh, stress and worrisome and all of these things because of the changes that are happening, right? Mm -hmm. And so I started seeing that and that more and more in my practice and I was brainstorming, how can I help other people kind of get um, better or feel better aside from just getting on the phone one-on-one -on -one and, and doing these visits, right? With my patients. 
And then that led up to me creating a podcast and a Facebook Live that I do with another provider. And basically, it's, it's a way for me to share information and health tips and more, um, basically just more information about how we can all, and no matter where we are and how we are feeling, how we can all reach a better state of wellness and health in our lives. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. I love all of that is so important now with everything being so virtual, even you and I, we can't just meet up and have a regular conversation with right, everything. Right. so much surrounding that. As a society who's really grown up with Western medicine and in hospitals with doctors, what has your life experience been like with health and finding health? Oh, that's a wonderful question. So in my experience, and when I was doing nursing and when I was studying to become a nurse practitioner, everything's been kind of like the traditional medicine setting, everything that my training involved and everything was like that. However, it wasn't until about, I want to say about two years ago, I was dealing with my own personal problems. I was dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety myself. And I went to my colleagues and I received medications. And then I was taking two medications for my symptoms and one medication to counteract the effects, the side effects of those symptoms. I went to counseling therapy. I was, I, I love to dance. So I was dancing. I was doing all of these things. I was talking to people and I wasn't feeling better. Every day I would feel worse. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the medications would help me stay controlled, but I knew that I wasn't fixing the problem. And so I I basically got to a point where I hit rock bottom emotionally. I was was fed up of feeling that way. And the symptoms that I would feel, I would have, like my heart would be racing to the point where I would check my pulse and it was like 160, 170. and, And my hands would be shaky and sweaty and I couldn't focus and concentrate. And it, it was an awful feeling. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many, how compliant I was with my medications, I would, I was always feeling that way. So one day as I was coming back from work, I came up across a video on my phone and the video was The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. I don't know if you're familiar with that video. Not. I haven't heard of that. You gotta, you gotta put it in your list of videos. It's a, it, it changed my life. It changed my entire outlook on life and on health, right? So that the, video. The Strangest Secret? The strangest secret. Yes. So after listening to that video, something clicked in my mind and and it was kind of like a realization that the way that I was feeling was my responsibility and nobody else's. And I was basically in my life a sum total of all of the decisions that I had made in my life and what I was allowing my thoughts to dictate about me. And after I listened to that video, I started looking more and more and more into the self inner wellness journey and that led me to some other videos and Les Brown, Bob Proctor, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Napoleon Hill and so many other amazing amazing videos and people and I started on this journey of inner healing and I can touch more I can go more in depth about what that journey looked like but after I started doing that and I started being more aware of how my thoughts were affecting my emotions and how my emotions were affecting my results and how I was feeling was basically on, because of the way that I was thinking, I was able to get off of all of my medications within, I believe, two months and I haven't taken a medication ever since. And now I consider myself a completely happy person because I don't necessarily respond or react anymore to what's hap- happening outside, but I control my inner world. 
Mm-hmm. And I, right. And I live based on my inner world and not, not what's happening outside. Yeah. That's so powerful. I know a lot of people, they speak like in that same exact way where it always comes back down to what we're doing internally. And I think that no matter how often we hear that, it really takes the embodiment of that practice to really see the changes. There's so many self-help books and videos out there that will tell you your thoughts create your reality and your thoughts create your emotions, which creates your reality. And you know the way you respond to life is what creates your reality and creates your perception of your reality. And it's so true. It's something that I don't think we can drill into our heads enough that it's not about what's happening to us. It's about what we're doing to respond to that and how we're able to manage ourselves. And especially in today's age, it seems like all this stuff around us is happening to us. And it seems so difficult to move through. And, you know, maybe it it is, (laughs) of course, there's a lot of really real challenges that have come up, especially this year in 2020. And as we're speaking today on election day, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. And I've noticed that a lot of people around me are definitely struggling more with their mental health now than ever before. I personally also went through that experience, you know, pretty much as soon as lockdown hit, it was craziness. I I had to face all of my inner world. I had to face all of what my inner world had created for me to experience. And it wasn't pretty. I think it goes deeper than just changing your thoughts. You have to really address them. Just like how taking those medications was just kind of covering the symptoms and helping you, which is great. We definitely, band-aids are helpful, but it's not, that's not the healing process. That's Mm -hmm. something to make it a little less painful. And so really going into the root of our thoughts and what those thoughts are, that's, I believe, how, how we can change those thoughts. And it's not, I think what you're saying is, is so, so important. And for those who are listening, it's definitely not just a simple switch. So can, can you definitely, I would love to hear about your journey and what that was like. Not, you don't have to be specific on the thoughts if you don't want to, but what was it like for you to go into that inner world and, and to make that journey from wherever you were at to now? Oh, yes. So everything started with me discovering that we, every single one of us has an inner voice. And whether we believe in that voice or we believe that it exists or it doesn't exist, it's always there. And it's there and it's present from the moment we wake up in bed until we go to sleep. And that's many times why we can't go to sleep at night. The people that suffer from insomnia, it's because that that voice, it's literally just driving us crazy inside. And the voice would say things like, you know, did you turn off the lights? Did you pay the bill? What do you have to do tomorrow? Did you check on your kids? Are you sure that the stove is off? And things like that, right? And people don't necessarily think that that's a voice because they identify so much with that voice that we start believing that that voice is us, mm-hmm. that we are thinking that, but it's a voice that we always have in our, in our minds. So the first book that I read on the concept of the voice was The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And he does a wonderful job about explaining this voice and how it can affect our reality, right? So after listening to or reading that book and understanding that there is a voice, I started paying more and more attention to the voice. And I realized that with research, we have about 40 to 50,000 thoughts every single day. And we humans are by nature, very negative beings because we live in survival. 
Our instinct is not go and conquer the world. Our instinct is stay alive. Don't do anything different. Don't come out of your shell because if you do, something's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why every time we want to put ourselves in a different situation or do something new, we immediately start talking to ourselves in about like, don't do it. It's a bad idea. You don't even know what you're talking thinking or talking about, it's better for you to not try it, or you're going to be criticized, you know, all of these things, but it's a voice. It's not us. It's a voice. Yeah. So I started looking more and more into my voice and into my thoughts and how those thoughts were for the most part, always negative. And then I started getting more and more into the science of psychoneuroimmunology and epigenetics. Now, basically, to make it very simple, that means that every thought has an emotion attached to it. So if you have a happy thought, the emotion is positive. But if you have a negative thought, the emotion is negative. Mm -hmm. So just to give you an example, if you have, if your husband was supposed to call you at three and he doesn't call you, the voice starts telling you he doesn't care about you, he forgot or all of these things, or maybe he got into an accident. And those thoughts are going to cause either anger or worry, right? And those emotions are negative emotions. And every time, and I want to make sure that everybody's very clear on this, every single time we have an emotion, it's it's sending a signal to our bodies, down to our cells, and all the way down to our DNA. Now, there was a study that was conducted in 2001, and the study showed that every emotion, whether positive or negative, has an effect on the DNA, Wow. And if we're feeling positive emotions, good emotions, the DNA expands and relaxes. But when we're feeling negative emotions, the DNA contracts and it turns off. And why is this important? The importance of this is that over time, if we're feeling negative emotion after negative emotion after negative emotion, and we're living in a survival state because we are, we're running late for work and we have a coffee stain in our clothes and oh my God, we're worried about you know people noticing this stain and all these things then we're literally creating disease over time. Oh my goodness. So it's not something that happens, you know, one day to the next, but over time, a, a lifetime or feeling this way, it's what creates a lot of the conditions that we're dealing with today. So it was a, a life-changing experience for me understanding all of these. When I started looking into my own thoughts and I started realizing that my thoughts were reminding me of events that happened that led up to me feeling depressed and anxious, and it was personal problems that I had gone through. And every time I would think about those emotions and those events, I would have those negative emotions that came back every single time. And when something happens, for example, the death of someone that you love, and you relieve the same, the, the, the death six months later, you're literally getting back to the same place mm. and you're sending the same emotion, emotions to your body. So that's what I was doing. I had gone through some very negative experiences in my life and six, seven, eight months later, I was still relieving those, um, those uh, things that happened in my life every single day. And I was literally experiencing those emotions over and over and over again. And then over time, it does, it, it stops becoming a mood, but it becomes your personality. So I was now a depressed and anxious person. Yeah, so for me to change, to that. yes. Mm. So for me to change my personality, something had to happen. And what happened is that I had to change. I had to be aware of my thoughts and, instead, and changing the thoughts is major, but understanding why you're feeling that way, right? Like you were saying, why am I feeling this way? What do I, what do I want? 
What do I, how do I want to feel? And asking questions is major. And a lot of us don't ask questions because we feel like we know the answers to everything that's going on. But I started asking questions out loud. You know, how can I feel better? What kind of things can I do? How can I, how can I overcome these emotions? And then the, the solution basically is looking within and working on those emotions. And if you start changing one negative emotion at a time, one negative thought at a time, you're literally automatically sending a different signal to your body, like I just explained. So instead of sending an emotion of worry, which is going to send a negative, a negative signal to your DNA, you're sending an emotion of, you know, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And then literally, and it goes down to the DNA. And this has been studied in many, many studies down to like Harvard has studied these. Oh, wow. The DNA over time, it starts relaxing. And then a lot of the conditions that were overcome by today, in my case, it was anxiety and depression, literally start letting up because you're treating problems at the root. Yes. That's amazing. I did not know that about the DNA, but it really makes sense. Like I always love to think of things scientifically because I can imagine it. And if I can imagine my DNA and how it would feel to me if I was constantly like contracting it and making it tighter and tenser and more rigid, that's not going to feel good. That's really not going to feel good, but that's exactly what stress and what worry and what fear and what anxiety and depression and anger all will do. And while those are perfectly valid things to feel, it is something that we do always need to move out of. And I, I definitely have experienced myself and others getting trapped in those places because it does become our personality. Mm -hmm. I had the same two labels that I held onto with dear life. I'm anxious, I'm depressed. And it wasn't until I like realized I don't have to associate myself with that. That voice that makes me feel and it is a voice that makes me feel that it's not me. It is just something that's going through my head and I'm allowing it to, I'm allowing it to replay. I'm giving it permission. And if I were to just stop giving it permission and instead give permission for the positive thought to come through, and I'm not saying ignore the problem. If there really is something to be anxious about, pay attention to it. <laughs> but for those things where it's like, oh, for example, I had a lot of social anxiety. So I would get mostly anxious when I'd be around people that I didn't know or people that I did know, just people. So preparing to go was the hardest part. Once I was there, it was a lot easier, but preparing to go, I'd make up these scenarios in my head. I'd give that power. I'd give that attention. I would say, oh, that's why I'm worried. See, this could happen. Oh, this could happen. Oh, remember when that happened that time? See, perfect evidence. It's very deceptive of us to think that that's the only Thing that could happen and mm -hmm. that deception is what's really causing our our own self-sabotage by carrying those feelings more so than just you know for a moment is what is destroying us physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually so that's that's incredible that it's there's actually scientific proof because i believe that anything that's true will show up scientifically and it just shows that yeah who doesn't want to have relaxed dna if we're here to evolve and grow and reproduce like yeah i don't want to reproduce when i have tense dna i want to reproduce with relaxed dna or i want to create even if i'm not reproducing i want to create something with relaxed dna because 
that will be felt and that will be experienced at least by me. So that's amazing. I love that science that you brought in there. One of the things that you said about, I'm going to go back to this about it became your personality. That is one of the most powerful things I think you've said. Breaking free from what seems to be our true self and what seems to be so real to us, that can be a very scary journey. And you said you had people that you were talking to. Did you rely on just friends, just, you know, yourself? Or did you, do you have faith that comes along with that? What was your support system like? So I started talking to a counselor. That was my first person that I got personal with about that. And then I started looking more and more and learning the power of the people that are around you and how they influence you. So by me becoming aware of my voice, my inner voice and what it was saying, I started becoming also aware of what the voice around the people, you know, of the people that I was around with was saying. And so I'm working really, you know, diligently about being cautious and being paying attention to my voice. And then I would talk, for example, I would talk to my mom and I would be like, oh, I have a, a work trip and, you know, I, I got to travel somewhere or whatever. And then she'll be like, what if, and what if, and what if, and it's that voice, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you're saying, like, mom too. that never, ever happened. And then I started talking to my mom and started teaching her all about these concepts, right? Because the problem is that if the people around you are not aware of this voice and the thoughts and the emotions and how it affects everybody, then you're around that, that environment and it ultimately starts affecting you. So one of the things that I did was become very aware of the people around me and how they were affecting me. And I did have to change some relationships, stop seeing some other people. I got closer to some other people because they were creating a positive impact for me. And basically letting go of anybody that was allowing me to be in that way because people allow you to be in that way, right? And it becomes kind of like, um, like an addictive type personality where you are addicted to getting that, that uh, attention from other people. And then those people are addicted to now feeling needed to help you. Mm-hmm. So I had to break free from that. And I had to literally let a lot of relationships go because they were not serving me a purpose. The purpose of our relationships, a lot of the people that I have around me at that time was me feeling bad and sorry about myself and they feeling like they were doing something for me right? What I wanted to do at that time was getting around people that at the moment, at the minute that I would start like, why me? And why did it happen to me? They would be like, what are you doing? Start, you know, stop it, like, cut it out. Like, don't don't do this to yourself, right? And so I started surrounding myself more and more and more with positive, influential people that that were aware of this voice that wanted the best for me and truly the best for me not not necessarily just feel good about themselves but actually getting me to a better state of wellness and health and by me surrounding myself with those people and being accountable and a lot of those people were not like next to me those are people that I would call on the phone and say you know what I'm feeling this way and they would be like okay we gotta break those thoughts we gotta we got to work on this and that, and you got to, you know, go do this or do that and whatever it was. Yeah. And by me having though, that those people that were account that I was accountable to that I, I had to report to quote unquote, because I wanted to feel better. So I had to report to them, not that I had to write, but for myself, then it became more of a, I, I have to do this. 
like there is no way that I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to let those people down. They're investing in myself. They want to see me better. They're doing everything in their power. They're, help, they're helping me. They're taking time away from their schedule when I call them. And I'm not going to be like calling them and just mopping and whining and just complaining about life because everything's a matter of perception, right? And that's also something that I learned. The perception and how you interpret things, the meaning that you give to things, it's what it means to you. But ultimately, right, everything is neutral, right? What happens simply happens. But if you give a meaning of positive uh, positivity or negativity, then it's up to you. It's how your mind interprets things. So it's just, it's been very valuable. And I think everybody needs to be very aware of how the people around us are influencing us. Mm-hmm. And if you, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Rohn, but Jim Rohn says that we are the average of the five people that we surround ourselves with. So who are those people? And I had to take inventory, literally, of the the, the top five people that I was surrounding myself with and how they were influencing me, because whether we think that they do or not, they do. That is so true. And that's so powerful, especially, you know, since most of us are not super physically close to a lot of people lately i think it's important to know that even the five people that we follow or see or hear from or talk to they are still influencing you mm-hmm. and the things that they say are so important for us to hear or to misinterpret or to interpret correctly i actually am so guilty of being that friend that would be like you call me up and you'd be crying and i would just say oh oh i'm sorry because I just didn't know what to say. And most of my life was spent being passive and not getting into anyone's business and not trying to offend anyone by saying, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. But I had to learn how to do that for myself. And honestly, I didn't have the same thing coming to me too often, but having reformed that inner dialogue to say, okay, I can give myself a hug. Yeah, this hurts. Okay. It's totally fine. Let's move. Let's move on. How can we how can we utilize this energy in a better way, in a more productive way? And how can I bring myself out of this state where I'm totally valid in being, but is it where I want to be forever? Absolutely not. I, I need to make that choice. I need to make that change. And having great, strong people around you who are not afraid to speak authentically and are not afraid to shake you into your happiness is it's not their responsibility, but they are so, so valuable. And being that type of a friend is such an amazing thing. So props to your friends for, for being that, those people for you and props for you to seeking those people in your life and, and getting close, choosing to get closer to them and choosing to distance yourself from people who were either not ready to or not willing to move you out of that because maybe who knows what they're going through they might be going through the same thing and they just also need a pity party oh this person's life is terrible too so let me feel a little bit better about my troubles it's a cycle that we all have been caught in and we all have the opportunity to get out of so you are a living example of that and that's amazing i find it so interesting that when people relate to each other especially about some of the things that they've gone through in their life they do what you say and they do enable and perpetuate those cycles. I find that to be very interesting. And I wonder what is the motivation behind that really? Is it, is it insecurity? Is it doubt? And it's interesting because whatever that is, we can see that it is most likely just a soup of negative emotions. Really at that point, like 
distancing yourself from those people, you just have to change the soup. If the other person's not going to change, if you go to them and you say, you know what, I need a different kind of support. And they're like, well, I'm not going to give that to you. Yeah. Just change the soup, get a new bowl. And that's totally fine. That can be scary for a lot of people to do though, because we can be very attached to the people that are in our lives, especially if it's someone like your mom, we can't force people to change. And some people we actually don't want to completely distance ourselves from. Mm -hmm. So were you the type of person that just cut off contact with those people? Or did you try to educate them on what you had learned? Or did you just kind of let it float away if that's what it happened? How was your response to, especially those people that it was just super important to you to keep that relationship? You know, my mom, I was very thankful. My mom was a type of person that was very enabling. And as I started understanding more and more about all of these concepts, I started uh, listening to different videos and I would pass along videos to her I started buying books for her and she really got into the whole concept and she transformed her life also she was going through her own depression and anxiety and she transformed her life she's the happiest person to be around now she's the positive the, the most positive person around like to be around that's amazing on the other hand, and I will just give you a simple example, like my brother, he does, he's a non-believer. Anything that he can't really see, touch, or taste, or, you know, whatever, that he, doesn't, he doesn't believe in it. Yeah. So anything about, like, energy or, you know, how your emotions affect your DNA and all these things, no matter, no ma- because he can't see or he can't feel his DNA being tied up, yeah. then he doesn't believe in it, right? So what I do, and and he's a very important part of my life. I love my brother. I love his family. So I'm not going to completely cut off contact. But just to give you an example, what I do for with him is that when I'm around him, I just don't touch certain topics, topics that are have have to do with how we're feeling, like really, truly feeling or anything that has to do with energy or anything that has to do with emotion, anything that has to do with that. It's off topic for me and him right? Because I don't want to be involved in any type of negativity, right? So when we are around each other, and we see each other at least once a week, so it's pretty often, yeah. right? When we're around each other, we just enjoy each other's company. And we talk about the kids and we spend time together and we play a game or we go around and like play with the kids or hang around and hang out and, and everything, but simply just knowing the boundaries yeah. that you need to have with people. And Cutting contact sometimes is not the most beneficial, especially if it's people that you truly love and family members, your parents, your siblings, or, you know, your spouse or whatever, but just knowing what's, what's okay for you to share with certain people and what's not okay. And if you're feeling, if I'm feeling negative one day, because it, it happens to everybody, right? Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I'm having like a low vibration today. I feel it my brother is not the person that I'm going to call, right? Just, just knowing that and knowing what the, what the purpose of each person that it's in your life really serves for you. Mm. Mm. That is a really powerful statement. I love that. Knowing the purpose that each person in your life serves to you. That's really, wow. I had to repeat that and absorb (laughs) it again. Cause yeah, that's really what setting boundaries is. And I think today there's so much of a cancel culture going on, which, you know, some of it I understand, some of it's way too excessive, but also at the same time, not everything needs to be canceled just because we don't agree with it. And that can be super destructive and limiting to ourselves. So just cut people off because they're not 
exactly on the same vibration as us all the time or because we can't talk to them about certain super sensitive things it's that doesn't mean it's not a relationship that we couldn't keep it just means that we have to be very clear on our boundaries and we have to be very adamant in enforcing those boundaries and it really starts with ourselves knowing hey i can't talk to my brother about this but why would i want to i shouldn't want to talk about everything with people that don't resonate on the same thing and of course you know if it's your spouse it would be a little different because you want to and that's a whole nother topic to come into union is completely different than friends or family so that's something I think, you know, different energy or different people can help work through. But if we're keeping it, you know, platonic or familial, we don't want to necessarily like cut out all our friends because just because we might disagree on certain things that are very valuable to us, doesn't mean that we disagree on everything. And it doesn't mean that our relationship is always going to be like that or that their relationship with themselves is going to always limit them like that we are evolving beings. So giving each other the opportunity to show up in each other's lives positively, that is super important. And to not assume that just one negative thing about one person or one negative conversation about one topic means that that relationship is tainted or uh, dysfunctional. It just means we need to reassess the relationship and look at how we can keep the relationship or what, what we can save and how we can save it. And of course, that doesn't mean every relationship needs to be saved. Mm-hmm. It just means we have the choice and we have the opportunity. We have the ability to. That's beautiful. And that's so powerful. That's a great way to look at health is that it really does start with our own inner adjustments, our own inner work. And though medication can help pacify some of those energies in the meantime to f- actually fully heal those traps, <laughs> to get out of those real traps we do need to actually do the inner work. And that's not to say we can't take medication in the meantime, but it does mean we still have to, we still have work to do. The medication's not the end all be all. So thank you for sharing that. I want to talk more about what it's been like for you during COVID. But before we get into that crazy conversation, I'm sure there's a lot I'm going to learn. I want to take a moment to transition into the laugh bath. So for the listeners who are new to us, this is a segment where my guest tonight, Fernanda, and I will take a moment to get out of the seriousness and move into a little bit more of some fun. This time we're going to play a game called two truths and a lie. If you have not played this game before, we're each going to list three things about ourselves and two of them, hopefully not in any specific order are true. And one of them is a lie and the other person has to guess. So let's keep this decently clean. I don't, I don't have too many restrictions, but you know, let's just keep it something, some kind of level of decency. Um, I'll go first just so that I can set the pace. Wonderful. So let's see some truths and a lie about me is I have been to, uh, three continents. I have visited a ship underneath like the water like I went scuba diving and saw a big shipwrecked ship and I um I didn't think about this ahead of time I have a oh gosh I did not think about this ahead of time um I really like to 
I really love goats. Those are my three things about me. Which one do you think is the lie? Um, I would say the goat. No, I really love goats. Oh. My favorite. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm going to say something else about traveling. And that's just a little, I need to chill on that. I love goats. They're one of my favorite animals. Oh, <laughs> so what, was, what was the lie? The lie was I've never seen a shipwreck ship while scuba diving. I've never even been scuba diving. I've been snorkeling and I've seen lots of things under the water, but I've never seen a shipwrecked ship. Mm. I'm not even gonna get that because I like really struggle to say that, but <laughs> I want to. I love the ocean and all of its mystery. So that's like a dream of mine. So maybe someday that'll be true, but not not today. Mm, wonderful. Okay. Yeah, right. turn. Let's see. I have I have um a teenager. Um, I speak three languages. I have been in a situation where I was literally in the middle of gunfire. Oh, oh, <laughs> I would hope that last one is false, but I'm going to go with my logical brain this time and say you're not you don't speak three languages. You only speak two. You got it. I speak two. I I only knew that, and I think I cheated. But because I have your bio, my your bio right here, and it says bilingual, and I'm like, is there another word? Like, if you know another language, would it be like trilingual? Like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm gonna sound stupid, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm so that's not that's not fun. You've been caught in, you've been caught in gunfire. Oh. Yes. Well, I was, I was a, a kid and I was like eight or nine, I think. And I grew up in, I'm Colombian, South America. And uh, we were driving and there was, you know, the militia back then. Right now it's much better and it's much safer. And I've gone back, I go back like every year because my family lives there. But when I was growing up, the situation in Colombia was very um, violent. And one day we were just taking a trip, just a road trip with my parents and we were caught in gunfire and we saw people like being, it, it was, it was. And um, everyone in your family got out, got through that safely? My, it was only my, my dad and my mom and uh, my, my brother and I in the car. And we were trying to protect ourselves inside the car. But the minute we would try to look outside, it, it looked like, like a fireworks just all over. And it, it was, oh my it was in the news. It was everywhere. And it wasn't just us. It was a lot of cars that were caught and a lot of people died. And yeah, you know, the people, actually the person in the front, in the car in front of us and the person in the, the, the car behind us, they got shot and we thankfully just yeah nothing happened to us but you were protected wow that is uh, that's not funny at all <laughs> i should have made it more fun <laughs> that's so totally okay like that just i i honestly silver lining learning about what happens in other countries it's it's very important for us to know that that is that is a real reality and no no pity but like just that's a reality and it's something that you know as americans i think we can sometimes be a little tunnel visioned and think that we're the only one that has any kind of violence or anything like that well it's really it's a human thing so mm -hmm. um thanks for sharing that and 
I honestly thought it was going to be the teenager. Like I was like, I hope it's the last one. I think it's the second one, but it's probably going to be the first one because the way you said teenager, it was like, you were trying to convince me. You're like, I have a teenager. Yeah, it's a teenager. Yeah, it's not a little kid, it's a teenager. I was like, but, and, and also like you look way too young to have a teenager, but who knows, you know, life is, life is what it is. So I, I'm glad I went with my, I'm glad I got to cheat a little bit. <laughs> it's not fair to you, but. Okay, you got it, you got it. You didn't know everything. You, pr- you probably could deduct one, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. So I love goats. My favorite animal is a cat, though. I have a kitten. I was going to say I have a kitten, but that wouldn't be fair because I've said that so many times in this podcast. But yeah. So thank you for joining me in that little laugh bath. I'm glad we could find some laughter in the midst of even some real trauma. Um, Segwaying into the rest of this conversation, that is a very real example of PTSD that you might not have realized you experienced and and you know that emotion that you felt in that moment it doesn't go away just because the situation has eased itself um i listened to a i listened to a podcast called unlocking us by Brene brown and she has this one podcast i don't remember the name of the episode but she talks about with someone that she's interviewing how you can't just it's not the safety that makes the emotion go away. It's not the thing that saves you. It's you have to finish the emotion. The emotion is, I think the person she was interviewing um, said that the emotion is like a tunnel. So you have to go all the way through it. So, you know, it's kind of interesting how many of us have these very real traumatic experiences that have happened to us in our lives and how we have to learn how to heal those things, even if it's decade later we have to because otherwise we're just going to keep repeating that image and that flashback and that experience in our minds and even though we might not be attached to it saying oh my gosh I just keep remembering that I was caught in gunfire we still feel that that emotion carries through until we can actually like address it and many of us haven't been caught in gunfire but many of us have had lots of other different kinds of traumatic experiences and if we haven't been able to finish those emotions it could be what's leading towards our anxious or depressive states now so segueing into what we're experiencing now with covid this has been a very um transformative and traumatic year for many americans and for many people across the world this is a worldwide pandemic and it's a worldwide uh, uproar of people's inner emotions and inner worlds just breaking out and saying, this is not right. We're not happy. We're frustrated. We're angry. We're anxious. We're scared. We're upset. We're hurting. We're hurting. That's really what the world is saying. It's like, we're hurting and we want to change. For people who are caught in the middle of any of that, commotion, that chaos, or who are just observing it, that is going to relay emotions to us. If we're watching the news or if we're out there in the experiences, being a professional in the COVID environment, how have you been working with yourself and with your colleagues and with your patients to prevent um, long-term PTSD from this, this chaos? 
So one of the main things that I always share with my patients is you got to stop watching the news mm. because the news are telling you what they want you to hear. Mm-hmm. And in many times it's creating that panic state. And when we are in panic, when we're living in fear, we are creating, literally, we are sending signals to our bodies that release uh, cortisol and cortisol, it's a survival hormone But over time, this release of hormone creates inflammation. Mm. And over time, inflammation, it's the basis of all diseases, even including diabetes. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people are newly diabetic because of the situation that we're dealing with because of all the stress, right? So one of the things is stop, stop doing the things or try to not do the things that create any type of stress. So if watching the news gets you in this state of like, oh my God, you know, we're doomed and all these things are happening and, you know, I'm going to die, then don't watch the news. Don't watch the radio, literally just change the channel. So that's one of the things. The second thing is exercise. And even if it's literally just dancing around the house or going for a walk around the neighborhood or, you know, playing with your dog or your cat or playing with the kids or doing whatever. It doesn't have to be like go to the gym and do like this high intensity workout. Not like that. Right. But if we're staying active, we're also releasing these positive endorphins and hormones in our bodies and these like dopamine and serotonin and all of these uh, even even endocannabinoids that help us feel good. So staying active, it's major, the avoiding or, you know, avoiding spending time with anything that it's negative, including the news. And then also another thing is how we eat impacts how we feel. And this is something that a lot of people are not aware of. There is something called the gut brain connection. So anything that we're eating, literally when it's getting digested, it's sending a signal to our brain. So if we're eating foods that are not necessarily healthy for us, we're not able to think clearly. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we're feeling confused, when we feel foggy, when we feel like we're not thinking clearly, many times it's because of the type of foods that we're eating that it's causing this fogginess in our brain. Yeah, that's super interesting. I want to touch on that real quick because I just had a conversation with somebody with a really good friend of mine and we were relating this to astrology. And real quick, I just want to put, put this little nugget in there for my astrology folk. Food that is artificial, that is processed and that is made in a factory that's not natural for all those paleos, they know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Food that is not natural is artificial. All of that, even, you know, vegan burgers, Mm -hmm. all of that is ruled by uh, the planet Neptune because it's fake. It's an illusion. So when you eat that, you are consuming something that literally it's designed to make you confused that's the same energy neptune it can be great too but it's the low octave of it is confusion fogginess illusions fakeness and it's a really impactful way to control a society so by eating those foods we are allowing that energy to control us and to block our view from truth and when we're confused, we are so much more stressed. When we're confused, we're so much more afraid. When we can't see what's in front of us, we are so much more anxious. So that is huge to really, I mean, I'm not saying go throw away all the processed food in your house. I still have some. It's, it's knowing that what you're eating, it is really going to affect you. And mm-hmm. if you eat an apple versus 
one of those apples smushed into a bar, there is actually a difference. But if you eat one of those apples smushed in a bar compared to a green apple Jolly Rancher, you know, you can see the spectrum of how the green apple Jolly Rancher is not nearly as good as the apple, but you can still, you're still getting the same essence of it. So that is really important to know that, yeah, our food and what we consume, and not just food, but what we consume, if it's an illusion or if it's fake or if it's created by man, manufactured, is not going to be as healthy for us as things that are really natural and authentic and really real and come from the earth. Yeah, watching the news, it can be very... I think there's some people out there that can handle it and, and that can see through it. And if you can see through the illusion that they're trying to show you, you know, then you are in a different state and it's probably not going to bring you as much stress. But if you are caught up in the fear that they're trying to bring to us and guess what? It's every single channel. It's not just Fox news. It's not just, I don't know, any other it's NBC It's all of them. They're all really trying to make us think a certain way. And for whatever reason, we still have the opportunity to say, I don't have to believe what they're saying. They're saying that. What's the truth though? You know, and for some, for those of us who don't want to completely cut out the news or social media or these things that do bring us stress, it is important to know that not all stress is bad. It's the stress that we can't handle that's bad. So if you're not doing anything to take care of yourself, if you're not doing anything to appease your body or to relieve the stress, then yeah, you need to practice avoidance because you need to readjust and go towards the things that are going to bring you positive emotions and positive experiences. But again, I already can hear my listeners saying, mm, but I need to know what's happening in the world, which is so the true. Is listening to it, but being objective about it. Yeah. Not, not just listen and believe everything you're being told, but listen to it and then do your own research. Mm-hmm. And that's what, of course, I listen to, to the radio and I watch, you know, every once in a while, not very often, I watch what's going on around the world because I want to be informed too, right? And it's part of my profession. I need to know what COVID is doing and how it's like and all these things. But I don't just go to the news and turn on the first channel and say, oh, they said that everybody's dying. So everybody's dying. No, no. I do my research. I go and like find out more about it and what, where else can I find more information? Is it online or where, right? It's just not taking everything that you're listening to or looking at at face value and just believe it. But do your own research and be objective and and think about the things that you're allowing in. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I think it's very interesting finding, like researching for yourself and also being able to discern what it is that you're researching. It can be very tricky. And so I think that's a really good reason why you tell your patients sometimes just like, don't, don't watch it. Mm -hmm. And I actually personally went through that experience and I did that. I really avoided the news for a few years because I was at the worst part of my depression and I just had no hope for humanity. And I realized that the more you're in that energy, the more of that you attract. One prime example that I know is causing a lot of, well, could cause a lot of stress in people's lives, especially the younger generation, my generation, Gen Z, I'm like right at the beginning of it. So I can speak to them (laughs) is that we are so susceptible to social media and we all know how Instagram can be bad. We all know how Facebook can be bad, but the new one that came out is TikTok. And yeah, the ban, yeah, but whatever the data they're collecting, that's not just it. 
the algorithm that TikTok has is so crazy and it really gets into your mind. And it will also not only take what you're thinking and show you it, but it will say, oh, you like that? Oh, here's more. Here's more and more and more and more and more and more. And eventually you can get to a place where all you're seeing, for example, I, I was on it before um, the protests that happened all around the world, but I also was on it during that. And I noticed that like, wow, because I'm like, yeah, people speak up for yourselves, started attracting a whole bunch of that. And it started making me afraid because it kept getting worse. It started mm -hmm. not just being peaceful protests that were being shown to me, but riots and the scary stuff that makes me feel like, oh my gosh, humanity is dying. And that is all because I chose to attract more of that into my life. I chose to say, I like this. Yes, I like this. Yes. So with TikTok, it's not, that's not how it all is though. And it doesn't mean that we're ignoring that those issues are really happening. There is so much positivity on that platform that if that's what you're seeking, that's what will be given to you. And it's just like life. When you look out and you see what's wrong with the world and that's where you stop, you're definitely going to have a harder time living in the world. As far as, you know, that's a great way to communicate with your, your patients. How do your colleagues like handle that, all that stress? Because you're in the midst of it and you are forced to see it. Like if you're working in that field, you are, there is no escaping the reality. So what do you guys do to support each other? And I know a lot of it has been through um, tele, telehealth, but even be, even with that, like how have you guys been supporting each other? The communication and the support is more as far as what can we do with each other to help us make sure that we are getting the support that we each need. So is it me helping take somebody else's patients or take their inboxes or do something else for them, call a patient because they are having a difficult time handling it or vice versa. And it's more about just making sure that all of the patients are taken care of, right? And I think it's a very like medical thing to do because we're honestly trained to care about everybody else and literally just leave ourselves last. And because we're not trained, right? And because we're not trained in the sense of literally learning about the mind and learning about the emotions, that's not taught on med in medical school or in nursing school or in any type of like traditional health school here in the United States, then getting to someone who's very like scientifically, like mentally and, and talk to them about that can be very tricky. Yeah. So the support, it's more about just making sure that they're healthy, making sure that they're staying healthy, making sure that they're staying okay. And then making sure that the patients are being taken care of pretty much. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I can see how that like being so selfless, especially in the time of crisis, it almost eases you because you're not concerned with what's happening to you. You just want to make sure that people around you are safe. Yes. And I think that there's a stigma around being selfless, that it means you're not taking care of yourself. But in the middle of a crisis, honestly, I think a lot of us, if we, because I don't work in that industry, I have been in lockdown in my room or my house. So I don't have that ability to be as selfless. And that's why this podcast was created is because I had that need. I had that need to, to reach out and make sure that everybody else is okay, because there's not much I can do other than change my own internal thoughts. And if the people around me are also contributing to that in their own way, mm -hmm. then yeah, you know, taking care of the people around me, having, giving meaning to my role in a crisis. 
that is what I'm receiving from what you're saying is that you, you and your colleagues, you really just find so much meaning in your life and it comes from, you know, everybody else's need. And Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone that's listening to think that, oh, you can ignore all your problems by just helping others with theirs. No, you really can't. Like you really can't heal anybody or help anybody if you're struggling. So if during that time that you were going through anxiety and depression, if that was being reflected or projected out onto your patients, they really wouldn't have healed. So you have to make sure that you were doing that work and you did that. And that shows today. And I think that's extremely admirable. And I thank you for all the service that you've done, all the work that you've done, especially during this year. I cannot say I would have been able to do it. I really can't. I handled myself and that was about it. So proud of myself (laughs) for that. But one last thing I want to talk about is your experience with, so you were born in Colombia and you moved to the United States. Is that correct? Yes. So I'm just more curious about culture and how that has played a role in how you approach, especially Western medicine. I I come from, of course, just a bunch of Western medicine. We all believe in the pharmaceuticals and all that. And beyond just talking to yourself and learning about your inner dialogue, when it comes to preventing or healing from colds, flu, or COVID, do you practice anything outside of the Western medicine field that you can recommend or that you just want to share about? Yes. So growing up in Colombia, Colombia is very much into the traditional medicine as well. Okay. There are, of course, in rural areas, you can find um, people that practice like herb medicine and more stuff. I was born in Bogota, so I was pretty versed into just like the traditional systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the difference, I think, in culture would be that Hispanics in general, not just Colombians, but Hispanics tend to look at at the doctors or nurse practitioners or nurses as like gods, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So anything you say, I'll do and anything, you know, and and you just tell me and I pay attention and I listen and I'm going to make you proud, basically, right? So I grew up in that sense. And I see my parents still behaving that way because they were raised in that, you know, those, those concepts. And so anything that the doctor says goes, which it's good, but it's not good depending on who they go and see, because, you know, it's people practice on how they feel that they are practicing and how they, sh- they feel it's a good medical practice, but not all medical practices are good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, again, I'm more aware and if they are being told something, they tell me and I give them my opinion. Okay, yes, do these, 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 but I wouldn't do these because of these whatever reasons, right? I, I'm more objective and always, every time I hear something or I listen to something or whatever, I, I do my own thing and I do my own research and yeah. make sure that it's the best thing for me and my family. Now with COVID and just bringing it into like upper respiratory infections and how to stay self as, as, um, healthy, and safe, it's more about, and, and this is something that I share with my, my parents and my patients, it's more about prevention rather than cure. You don't want to be sick to take matters into your own hands and say, okay, what can I do now? You want to prevent getting sick. Mm-hmm. And how do you do this? 80, no, 90% of our immune system is in the gut, in our intestines. 90%, 90% of our immune system lies in our intestines. So if we're not eating okay, if we're not eating healthy, if we're not taking care of how we're eating, our immune system is being directly affected by, yes, by our foods. So making sure that you're eating healthy, it's number one. 
The second thing is when we're sleeping, our immune system reboots, recharges. So we have to make sure that we're sleeping well. A lot of people say, well, I'm okay with five hours. You may be okay, but your body's not. Your body's a machine. Your body never stops working. When you're sleeping, your body's working, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the major jobs that it does is recharging, rebooting this immune system of us. So if we're sleeping okay, if we're eating well, if we're staying active, because when we move, everything kind of moves with us, right? And if you stop moving your arm today, in a month, you're going to find atrophy in your arm. So we got to move. We are designed to move. So you got to move, you got to eat well, you got to rest. And then of course, limiting anything that brings you stress. So if anything's bringing you a lot of stress, because the stress releases cortisol and cortisol is the inflammatory hormone and then inflammation eventually sets in as disease, then you want to make sure that you're doing those four things to make sure that you prevent getting sick. Now, if you are already dealing with an upper respiratory infection, I tend not to medicate unless it's absolutely, absolutely necessary. And if I am dealing with a cold, one of the things that I learned, and I actually learned that from a Mayan, so an Indian in Mexico, Mm -hmm. is we actually use three or four drops of lemon in our noses, like one, you know, in one side, each side. And then what that does is, of course, it goes all the way back. And because it's an irritating um, sensation, it just clears all the sinuses. It's kind of like doing a sinus rinse. Oh, right. 11. Yeah. <laughs> and then something else is, of course, doing all the things that are not medication related. So using a humidifier, using a neti pot mm-hmm. and making sure, of course, that you're blowing your, your nose instead of like, you know, like coughing and swallowing it back up and yeah. all of these things. So making sure that we are doing the preventative, it's always going to be the, the number one. And if our immune system is strong, if we are literally keeping our immune system super, super strong, even if we do get influenza, even if we do get COVID, our immune system is, is designed where it's literally designed to deal with these viruses so we can attack it mm-hmm. without any complication. It's kind of like one of those, oh, I, I was sick and three days later, I'm okay. Yeah. But, if we, but, if, but if it's weak, because of the life choices that we're making. And then we get something like COVID or influenza. That's when it literally brings us down and we're sick for like two weeks. And then we develop a pneumonia from it and all these things because our body is exhausted. It's kind of like, like an army, right? Mm-hmm. If your army is really fed and ready for, for a fight, you know, for, you know, to go on in battle versus an army that's been battling you know, some other combats or battles for like three months. And then, you know, it's got to go and fight against some other, you know, I don't know, troop, then of course, they're not going to be as strong or, you know, able to maybe win as, as good. So it's keeping, it's keeping our immune system strong and doing the things before they actually happen. Wow. Really powerful. A lot of those things I don't think people think about too often is like, creating a really strong immune system is so important to how we experience any illness. Um, it's beyond just, you know, taking cold medicine. That's not going to help your immune system. It's beyond just taking or just eating well or taking multivitamins. Like you have to be looking at what it is that you're eating and making sure that you're getting those vitamins and those nutrients like vitamin C is so good for immune system. We all know that 
and zinc is so good for the immune system. We all know that, Mm -hmm. but we have to make sure we're getting enough of that in our diet and that we're getting it from the natural source, because the more we can get it from natural sources, the more potent it's going to be, the more helpful it's going to be, the more our body is going to be able to receive that and use that. And yes, exercise is is definitely important as well. If we think about inflammation, um, there's herbs, of course, that help with inflammation like turmeric and um, I think ginger and garlic, all those can really help work with that. But movement is what gets our blood to move through our body and inflammation is when too much or when a lot of blood gets into one area, if I'm not mistaken. So if we can help move it, then we're actually helping ourselves heal. And Mm -hmm. Just to be really candid, I haven't really said this to the public yet, but I've had COVID twice. And it was very interesting how I got it both times. The first time I got it on January 21st of this year. And that was before anyone really knew that I was here. I got it at a convention because they work in Las Vegas. I was at a convention, lots of people that I'm speaking with face-to-face. A girl got sick that I was working with. She got me sick and I had to experience it. It was horrible, but I never went to the doctor. I never got tested because I didn't know. I just thought I was sick. So I did, I did all natural things. I didn't take any cold medicine. I didn't take any flu medicine. I didn't take, I think I took ibuprofen maybe once, but I just changed what I was eating. I started eating healthier. I slept a lot. And this is after, you know, I didn't even expect I was going to get sick, but I was already, my immune system was already compromised because of something else prior. So it wasn't surprising to me. The second time a friend of mine had to go to the hospital I got it. And we didn't, we didn't go to get it checked because we were, we were quarantined by ourselves. So we're just like, whatever. And, but the only experience that I had at this point, I had been taking lots of herbs. I've been eating very healthy. I've been exercising, been just overall really preventative. And when I got it, oh my gosh, it was not bad. It was not bad. And I'm not saying that that's the experience everyone's going to have. But what I was doing to make sure that it wasn't going to be bad, I don't have any pre- pre-existing conditions. I was taking herbs out the wazoo, like all sorts of herbs that work with your immune system, that work with inflammation. I don't eat, I don't eat dairy really that often. So I'm taking care of myself. I exercise. And all I really had, the only reason why I know it was COVID is because I couldn't smell or taste. And I was functioning. I, of course, didn't go out, but I was functioning. I was able to be at my home and I wasn't needing to sleep all that I was just living my regular life, but I know I had it because that's a major, major symptom. And it was really the only symptom I had. And I think that just as a living testimony, I've had it twice. I know it was that because I've never had anything like that before. I survived because I was taking excellent care of myself because I had been preventative because I had been paying attention to what my body was really needing. I was needing vegetables. I was needing garlic. I was needing ginger. I was needing all those vegetables and fruits that really have a lot of healing powers and mm-hmm. doing your own research to finding out what those are. That's how I learned about it. You know, friends have taught me as well, but we don't have to rely on a doctor to tell me that I have this. When I know I have it, I'm, I'm able to pay attention to what's happening in my body because I already have a developed that relationship. So for anyone who's listening, that is like, well, I'm just so concerned every time I go outside, I don't wanna get sick with COVID. If you don't have any pre-existing conditions, do research on how to build your immune system. It's really, it's super simple. Research foods that build your immune system, research herbs that you can take because if you live anywhere where you can buy bulk herbs, you can just put them in your smoothies and you will see the difference. You will feel the difference. 
in the way that you live your life. And also given I was under no stress at this time. So all of those things that you said, I am a living testimony that they are very, very, very true. And so I just wanted to share that. And, and thank you for all your professional advice, because what I'm saying is not professional. What I'm saying is just an experience. And Mm -hmm. what you have is really real because not only is it backed by science, it's also backed by many people's experiences, not just my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And ultimately, and I want to end with this, if we don't make time for our wellness right now, sooner or later, we're going to have to make time for our illness. Mm -hmm. So doing preventative stuff today, it's going to go a long way tomorrow. Yeah, that is a very powerful thing to end on. So wellness begins with us because we is in wellness, I is an illness. So let's encourage each other to prevent ourselves from getting sick. And that doesn't mean just wearing masks and using hand sanitizer. It means going the extra mile and paying attention to what you're eating, paying attention to what your friends are eating, your family's eating, making suggestions, you know, really choosing health, choosing preventative health and mm-hmm starting with our diet, starting with our bodies, starting with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Fernanda. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been amazing. That's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the first official episode of My Sister Wisdom. Again, I'm your host, Shannon. Tune in every Saturday as I meet with women from all over the world, from all walks of life, as we discuss our passions, our works, our faith, and how we have gotten through some of life's biggest challenges to where we are today. Get ready to laugh, cry, smile, and learn a whole lot. If you would like to send me any convictions, questions, suggestions, or smiles, please email me at mysiswisdom at gmail.com. Until next time, shine on, sweet seeds.